Lord Jesus, we welcome you now into this time as we come together to receive and to hear your word. You who are the living eternal word, we invite you to come now as the now word for this hour, for this moment, for this time. Come and speak to us out of the fullness of who you are. Lord, we desire and need to hear from you. So welcome. We do exalt your name and praise you. You are lifted high. And you, Lord, come. You live not only in a high lofty place, but Lord, you are close and come to those and you dwell among those who are contrite and humble of heart and who tremble at your word. So today we tremble at your word. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, team. For those of you that don't know who I am, I think most everybody does, but I'm Pastor Jim. I get to have the privilege of serving here uh, as the lead pastor of Bethel St. Paul and a senior pastor of our family of churches for now in my 25th year of ministry. All right, we are continuing and almost to the conclusion of our journey through the letter to the Ephesians, uh, which we have entitled A New Way. And... um, This journey has uh, taken us uh, several months here to go through, and uh, it's been a powerful, powerful time. Uh, As you remember, the first three chapters of the letter to the Ephesians uh, is Paul's expansive vision for the kingdom of God and who we are as a new people. We are an entirely new kind of people than have ever existed on the face of the earth when, uh, when, when Christ established his church and his people. And so we, he gave us a vision for the kingdom, a vision of uh, uh, an expansive vision of, of what the kingdom of God is, who we are in the midst of that. And then in chapter 4, um, he began to un- unfold for us what it means then to be the people of God. We kind of went from the indicative who we are, to the imperative, what we are to do. Because as we've said multiple, multiple times, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And so we've been discovering what it is that we are called to do. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22 to 24, it, a few Sundays ago we talked about a new life. In Ephesians 4.1, Paul says, live a life worthy of the calling you've received. In other words, your life should be consistent with your calling as a follower of Christ. And the way in which that begins to unfold is by experiencing new life. As it says in Ephesians 4, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I loved what Pastor Ben shared earlier uh, around the testimonies in camp Camp was not simply, the, the, you know, the theme was free, but it's not simply being freed from, but it's being freed for. In a new life, we not only put off, but we put on. And so our takeaway is that we are no longer conformed in character or conduct to our old life. We experience conversion when we definitely and permanently put off our old life and put on our new life. This is both a point of decision and a process of transformation requiring a daily deliberate reorientation and renewal of our minds, which in a word is 
what we call discipleship. Discipleship is the process by which that transformation of our lives happens. There is a conversion point and a process of transformation. Everybody get that? If you get that, say, I got it. Okay. So we need both that point and that process to unfold in our lives. Now, in Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, which is the key verses for um, this entire study of what we've been looking at, it says, follow God's example. The, the Greek word there, mimeo, is literally mimic God. Mimic God, therefore, is dearly loved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is that new way in which we are to walk. It is the way of love. We are to reproduce the family likeness of our Father, patterning our lives according to his self-sacrificial love. Jesus reproduced that likeness perfectly and is the example for us to follow, patterning our lives after him in our speech, our sexual ethic, our work ethic, our attitude, and our wisdom. Over the last several weeks, we've looked at our speech, we've looked at a new sexual ethic, we've looked at a new work ethic, and we've looked at a new attitude. This morning, we're going to cover the last piece in that line, and we're going to be looking at developing a new wisdom. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians, which is towards the end of the New Testament. Not at the very end, but in your Bible, it's going to come right about there, towards that end. I don't have a clue how to tell you where to find it on your phone other than type in Ephesians. That's, I guess, the easy thing on that, all right? So, and we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to begin here with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. So here again, you see, throughout this, Paul has been giving us imperatives. Live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And then he says, be imitators. Of God, reproduce the family likeness. And now he says, be very careful then. Take care for your life. To look at your life, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Now there's a lot that we could talk about in wisdom, and we will be talking more about wisdom this fall. We're going to be beginning a a new series um, out of the letter of James, which has a lot to say about wisdom as well. But uh, this morning, what I'd like to do for just these moments together is look at three marks of a wise life. How do I know? How can I, what are the characteristics of a wise life? How, how might I um, look at my own life or the life of people around me and say, you know, uh, that's a life marked by wisdom, all right? Or my life is marked by wisdom. So three marks of a wise life. The first is this. A wise life is a life that is lived in the light of God. So, again, our key scripture this morning is Ephesians 5.15, but let's go back a little bit, starting in verse 8, and look at Ephesians 5, 8 to 14. 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is, even, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I want you to notice this. Again, here's another command, live as children of the light. But notice what it says right before that. Don't run over the line without listening carefully to it. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. It doesn't even say you now live in the light of the Lord. It says you are light in the Lord. In other words, living in the new creation, in that conversion and transformation process, means not only that you live in the atmosphere of the light, you actually become a repository of the light of God. You are light in Christ. The light of Christ living in you. You are no longer You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Say it with me. I was once dark, but now I am light. In the Lord. This is the radical difference between New Age, which, you know... uh, The enemy constantly takes the truth of God and just takes it just a little bit off of the bubble and sometimes a whole lot off of the bubble, but, you know, takes it off of the bubble and suddenly, you know, it turns into, well, I'm light. Well, no, 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 no. We are light in the Lord, in the Lord, okay? So let's let's talk about what that looks like because it it unpacks it for us right here, but let let me take out the luggage and show you what I think Paul's getting at here for our lives. Because I want us to actually look at our life and say, you know, am am I exhibiting these marks? Am I exhibiting these characteristics? All right? First of all, light develops good fruit. Light develops good fruit. It says, again, come back to our passage... For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. As it says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is these things. Now, I don't know, how many of you garden? Anybody garden? A few of you garden? I garden. I love to garden, all right? Now, I'm, a, I'm the, in the division of responsibilities in our house in the garden, I'm the flower guy, my wife is the vegetable gal, okay? So, that's just the way it is. But I help out with the vegetables, and, and, and she was asking me recently when she's, did I tell you she's been gone for a month? Okay, she's been gone for a month. Um, anyway, not that I'm missing her. Um, uh, but anyway, she's saying, so are the, you know, uh, the tomatoes, how are the tomatoes looking? You know, and I'm like, 
Well, they're looking green. All right? But then, you know, a few days ago, we had a couple of those hot days. And I went out, and lo and behold, there was some red cherry tomatoes. Man, those are good tasting. Love them. Pick them up. Right? But that's what light does. Light actually ripens the fruit in your life. So when you live in the light of the Lord, what you're going to experience, and here's, here's one of the marks of maturity. You know, this is our year of growing maturity. One of the marks of wisdom in your life is going to be ripening fruit in your life. Your love is going to get deeper. Your joy is going to be larger. Your peace is going to be more peaceful. Your forbearance your patience is going to be more patient. Your kindness is going to be kinder and your goodness gooder and your faithfulness faithfuler and your gentleness gentler and your self-control more self-control. Because it ripens in our lives. So a great question is, you know, how's the fruit ripening in my life? Am I living in the light in such a way that the fruit is becoming evident, all right? Light reveals discernment. Keep looking back to Ephesians 5, because I can't go back on the screen, so you're going to have to look in your Bible. It says, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Here's another thing that, that light does. Light reveals. Another word for that is discernment. In Galatians 5, that's not Galatians 5, 22 and 23. I'm not sure which one that is. Forgive me. We'll have to figure that out. That's not the right reference, but it is the right scripture that I want. And this is my prayer. I think this is in Philippians. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best. Say best. To discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled again with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So do you see that all of these are connected, this fruit and discernment, but we find out what pleases the Lord. Sometimes the enemy of best is good. Sometimes we do really good things without doing the best thing. Get it? So light helps to dispel shadows and we begin to see things more clearly. And sometimes if you're walking in shadow, I mean Isaiah 50 says, you know, um, if you're walking, let him who walks in the dark trust in the name of the Lord and don't light your own torches. Why should you not light your own torch? Because when you light your own torch, it simply flickers and flutters and creates, ends up creating more shadows in your life and makes it harder to see. But let the light of the Lord come in and begin to bring discernment. Ask him for light. Ask him for more light in situations. Light exposes darkness. John 3, 20 and 21, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plain, 
they've seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Um, sin breeds in the shadows, in the darkness. When you turn on the lights and let the light come in and it exposes things, it begins, and, and God turns on the light in our lives not to destroy us, but to expose where there are shadows so that then he can come in with his cleansing, healing, grace, and get our lives reoriented and refocused on him. Years and years and years ago, back when I was in high school and in college, I worked at a, um, some of you know this, maybe I've told you this story, but I worked at a, a pizza place called Aurelio's Pizza. It's a fabulous pizza joint down in the south suburbs of Chicago where I grew up. It was a restaurant seated 400 people, and there would be an hour-long wait uh, on weekends to even get a table. Okay, Great pizza place. So I would work, and I worked long hours there. Evenings, I was a, I was a bus boy and um, did that. And then at the end of the night, um, particularly I, I remember this particularly back in the old place before we moved into the new one, so they would have dim lighting, you know, and all of that. And then at the end of the night, when all of the customers had gone, or maybe there was a couple of customers that we really wanted to be gone, um, we would turn up the lights. And the fluorescent bulbs would go on. And suddenly you looked and went, ew. Because everything that in the dim light you couldn't quite see, boy, those fluorescent lights went on and everybody went, Oh, my. And everything that had been sort of hazy and not so clear suddenly was exposed to the light. When we live in the light, and the goal, the purpose, the, the process of transformation is bringing us to a point where we are living more and more and more and more in the light. So we don't want to be content with living 50% in the light, 50% life, light livers, right? We want to move towards that place where we are entirely in the light because we are the light and are called to live as children of the light. One more thing, light brings alertness. Again, go back to your scripture, verse 14. Wake up! Anybody was asleep? You just woke up. Wake up, O sleeper! Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Light brings alertness. I don't know about anybody else. I am in incredibly diurnal, which means that I am incredibly light sensitive. So as soon as dawn is even somewhere on the horizon, my sleep pattern, I, I mean... We've got room darkening shades, shutters. It doesn't matter. There is a hint of light. And bing, I am awake. And alert. I always tell them, hey, best time of the day is early in the morning. It's wonderful. But I'm alert. It doesn't matter. I can go to bed. You know, I try to go to bed. You know, most of you know I'm an earlier to bed person, but... Doesn't matter what time I go to bed, as soon as that light in the morning, boom. Because I'm alert. Well, you are children of the light, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 and 6. And children of the day, 
We do not belong to the night or to the darkness, so then let us not be like the others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Be awake and sober. It's time to wake up, to be alert, to allow the light to wake us. All right. Let's go on. Redeeming the time. So the first thing, the first mark of a wise life is a life that is lived in the light, producing fruit, revealing discernment, exposing darkness, and being alert. The second mark is that of a life lived wisely is a life where we redeem the time. The, the word here is, is actually a, a financial word. It means buying back. So um, here, it, here it is in uh, Ephesians 5.16, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Buying back the time. That's what the making the most of every to- opportunity is. So two things that I want us to note about this. First is, time is short. It doesn't feel like that. Sometimes, do you, have you ever had the experience where time just slow, feels like it slows down? Right? I mean, it's been a great year this last month. Okay? It's gone really long. All right? But really, it's incredibly short. I've been here, I'm in my 25th year here. I feel like I'm in, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm in my 25th day. Time just, how long have you been on the field, Nathan, Karen? How long have you been over there? 31 years. Probably doesn't feel like that sometimes, right? It's gone like that. You look back and you go, time is short. Well, uh, Paul had something to say about that. He says, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. In other words, time is short. Stop trying to grab hold of those things. Hold them loosely, recognizing that time is short. So therefore, don't get consumed with those things, but get your focus where it needs to be on making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because time is not only short, but it is valuable. John, Jesus says in John 9, 4, and 5, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as it's day, work. Be wise, Colossians 4, 5, and 6 says, and the way you act towards outsiders, make the most of every opportunity. Seize the moment. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will, may know how to answer everyone. Here's the deal. Time is both chronological and, there is, and it is also kairos moments. So in the chronological sense of things, time is short. The days, the months, the years, they go by very fast. In the value of things, it is the kairos moment. It's a wise person pays attention to the God-given opportunities that he puts before him or her, okay, before us. We don't want to miss those kairos moments where God 
enters in and intersects our lives, and I don't want to miss it when he does. And a wise person doesn't miss that opportunity. Again, just like the using, again, Paul's using financial terms, you know, people who make lots of money, they know how to strike at just the right moment. They know how to make the most of every financial opportunity. Well, us, as children of light, as wise, being very careful in how we live, as wise, not as unwise, we know how to make the most of every opportunity, to step in to those God-given opportunities. Amen? All right. Time is valuable. Third thing, a wise person understands God's will. Understands. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish. Do not be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. This has to do, and I've just got one point here, has to do with listening and doing. That, by the way, is the definition of obedience, is to listen and to do. Jesus talked about this. He told a parable, the parable of the sower. At the end of that parable, it says this, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. Now, the very next thing that he says, this is very interesting. Listen to what he says next. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so those who come in can see the light. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, nothing concealed that will not be known or brought out into the open. The same things we've just been talking about. Continuing on. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has been given more, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. Now the next part, and we usually you know, stop at various points here, but we're just going to keep going on. The next scene, Jesus' mothers and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. And someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. And he replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Hello? How many of you want to be a mother and a brother? All right? And a sister. To the Lord, it's those who hear his word and put it into practice. That's listening and doing. A wise person, a wise person is one who understands God's will and does it, who listens carefully and then does it, who allows the seed into their life, the seed of his word and truth into their life and then puts it into practice. All right, so finally, we're running towards home, towards the food, Pastor Ludovic, food, food, the key to a wise life. So how does this wise life happen? Okay, the marks of a wise life, the three marks of a wise life. First, a wise life is one that is lived in the light. Second, a wise life is one that redeems the time. Third, a wise life is one that understands God's will. So what's the key? How do, I, how do I enter into that wisdom? I don't want to be a fool. I don't want to be unwise. I want to be wise. I think everybody in this room would probably say, Pastor, I'd like to be wise. I want to be wise. In fact, that's one of my constant prayers in this season of my life is for God to increase my wisdom. Okay? It's one of my constant prayers. 
is God increase my wisdom. What's the key to that? Well, go to the text, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 16, where it says this. Do not, verse 18, sorry, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Real quick, when you come to Christ, The Bible says the Spirit of God comes and dwells in you. He lives inside of you. You have opened the door to God's Spirit. Consecration, then, is the ongoing process. We talked about the point of conversion. We receive the Spirit at the point of conversion. The point of the process of transformation is a spirit work in us, which the big word is sanctification, which is the is simply the process of becoming who we truly are. And I think of that as the river of God flowing in my life at a consistent, constant basis. There is always the river of God that is sanctifying me and causing me to become more into the family likeness of God. The filling of the Spirit, I think of, just because I think in pictures, I think of the filling of the Spirit as sort of a a fountain that's springing up in my life, and it's this constant process whereby the water level of the Spirit in me is springing up, and like I've shared many times, when that water level springs up to a certain point, and when my life becomes full of the Spirit, then whenever I'm bumped, what begins to pour out of my life is what's inside of me, and when I'm filled with the Spirit, what's pouring out is the Spirit of God through me. The baptism of the Spirit, as I understand it, is like standing under a waterfall of His Spirit and just being overwhelmed and drenched and completely, uh, just completely immersed in His Spirit. All of them are necessary for our life in Christ. But this filling with the Spirit is integral to my developing wisdom, and it's a key to a wise life. Because as you know, because you've heard it preached perhaps many times, but let me remind you, when Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, the words there in the Greek is specific. We don't get it so well in the English, but it's really be continually, over and over again, constantly, now and always, filled with the Spirit. It's a constant. It's not just a one-time thing. This is a lifelong thing of being filled with the Spirit. And what does that look like? Well, it looks like it, 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 when, when it's spilling out of my life, when I know when I'm filled, remember, I just bumped the glass and the water went flying, right? Okay, so what's it going to look like when I'm filled with the Spirit? Again, how will I know that I'm, I'm living this wise life? Well, I've got these marks, but also here's what's going to be flowing out of my life. First of all, flowing out of my life will be encouragement. Encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. It says here in Ephesians 5, 18, 19, go to it again. It says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to sit and go around and go, Hello, Rich, I'm so happy to see you today. Let me share a scripture with you now. All right, we could do that. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be awesome. All right. 
But what it does mean is that there's something flowing out of me of encouragement. I am looking to encourage and build up other people. You know, one of the fruit of the, you know, ah, being filled with the Spirit is not just about me. I loved Dosa's testimony. Did you hear what she said? I came to camp thinking that it was about me, and then I realized it was about the opportunity for me to be a conduit of ministering the grace and presence of God to others. That's called being filled with the Spirit. Secondly, it's worship. Jesus said a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. It says, sing, make music from your heart to the Lord. It doesn't matter whether you can sing or not or play the violin like Jeremy or Marie or play the clarinet like Ellen or do whatever all the other folks up there do. You don't have to do it like that. It's what it means, what God's looking for. Is your heart poured out to him in worship? And thanksgiving. Look again at our scripture. This is our last piece. Look at what it says. Always. Say always. Always. What does always mean? Yeah, it means always. Yeah. All right. You got it. It's the same in the English always, yes. In the original Greek, it means always, okay? Yes. <laughs> Giving thanks to God and the Father for, for what? Everything. Say everything. everything. What does everything mean? Everything. everything. Giving thanks to the Lord for everything. Everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus. All right. Last scripture, Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Here's the similar scripture with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit singing to God in gratitude in your hearts. With all wisdom. With all wisdom and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father, God the Father through him. This is God's call in our lives. This is the call. This is what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. It looks like encouragement. It looks like worship. It looks like thanksgiving. And that filling of the Spirit is the key to the wisdom. It's the key to all the things that we were talking about earlier. As you are filled with the Spirit, more and more of the Spirit, more and more you will live in the light. As you are filled with the Spirit, you will more and more redeem the time. As you are filled with the Spirit, you will more and more understand God's will. This is 101, people, but we forget it. So you and I, I'm standing before you as your pastor saying today, I need to be filled with the Spirit more. Ken is our our head elder. Ken, do you need to be filled with the Spirit more today? I, I don't think anybody else heard you, but I did. Yes, you do. How about it, Pastor Litovic? Do you think you need to be filled more with the Spirit today? But wait a minute, you're a pastor. You're already there, right? You've, you've arrived. 
Not quite yet? Still in the process? You want more? Tomorrow. Tomorrow he's going to get there. All right. As soon as he gets some more food in his body, he's going to be fine. All right. Yes. So in addition to filling you with food, which is one of our Bethel things, okay? As we say, you may not leave better, but you will leave bigger. Okay. Um, But our prayer and desire is to be filled with the Spirit. More of him. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to deconstruct all the theological stuff today about that. That will be for another sermon. But all I know is that I want more. More of his Spirit in my life. So we're going to sing this prayer, and then I'm going to pray a prayer and give a benediction. Father, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you've given us power from heaven to be light in a world that is filled with darkness, even gross darkness. We ask that you would just move on our hearts again. Save us again, Lord. I don't know about you, but I need to be saved again. I want to be born again, again. Yes, Lord. So just come and and strike our hearts with the revelation again of our need for you. You said, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who know that they need God. God, we need you. We need you. Just cry out to him right now. We need you, God. We need you. Just say it with your own mouth. We need you. We need your spirit. Come and fill us with your grace. Fill us with your love. We don't have it on our own. We can't do the things that the word tells us to do without your spirit. Pour out on us and overflow through us into our culture. Rasking that this week you would use us in a powerful way. You'd encounter us again in a powerful way. Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday afternoon. Come and encounter us this week, Father. We need you, Holy Spirit. Pour out on this city who's needed you now more than ever before. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just open your hands. And now I pray that you would be filled afresh this very day with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength and power comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours. As you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations, go with the banner of His favor over your lives. And until we gather again, either in this house or in our eternal home, I pray that His love and goodness and mercy will chase you down every day of your life. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen.